All right, what's up? Welcome in. GC Live Monday episode. Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, as always, brought to you by Clint Hammond Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Of course, breaking down South Carolina's 16-7 to loss to the Clemson Tigers. Even saying the score out loud just feels weird, Chris. Like, that's just not... I don't know. I feel like if you gave me a million guesses, I wouldn't have said 16 to 7 for this game. Uh thought it might be somewhat low scoring. Thought it needed to be low scoring for South Carolina to win it. But don't think I would have ever guessed 16 to 7. In some ways, man, honestly, just kind of trying to get the pulse of our fan base. It it kind of sounds like people are maybe even ready to move on to the next thing. Hey, what's next? Who is South Carolina going to target in the transfer portal? Who is um you know, who on the team might enter the transfer portal? Um, will there be any staff changes this offseason? All those things. But first, we do have to, uh, you know, close out the season, break down this game, and then, of course, throughout the next, uh, I guess, really two to three weeks, you're going to have a ton of activity. Uh, we've already seen the coaching carousel start to move elsewhere, and uh, transfer portal will be rolling. Final sprint to National Signing Day for high school guys. And uh, there will be plenty to talk about. But first, man, we will close out the regular season. South Carolina, of course, losing 16-7. to A defensive battle. An ugly football game in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, frankly, Clemson, they, they just did enough. Whereas South Carolina kind of shot itself in the foot, which was the opposite, really, of, you know, Clemson's been the team that has, has had a lot of mistakes on offense in terms of putting the ball in danger turn the football over, um, it, it really cost South Carolina on Saturday. It did, and the ingredients were there, Wes, and I think there are a couple games this year that South Carolina will look back on and just really lament the missed opportunity. And, heck, you can go back to Georgia, and I remember right after that game the the phrasing that Shane Beamer used was missed opportunities because you were up at halftime and, and you had a great chance, right? But Florida was really one given that you literally needed to make one play in that game. Um, and this is one where the mistakes, uh, you said it at, right at the show open, the mistakes really got you. There have been some times in this rivalry where one team is just so much better than the other one. Um, in the past 10 years, Wes, we've seen at times South Carolina be that team. Really in the past, you know, in the back half of that, you know, during the five-year streak, so the past 15 years, right? We've seen, as of late, after Clemson climbed to kind of the, the playoff status type of team, a lot of times it's been Clemson, where very quickly the game is over. Last year was certainly two more evenly matched teams. This year was two more evenly matched teams, and so it was South Carolina that made the critical mistakes. Um Wes, two turnovers in two offensive plays right at the beginning of the game. Something that can't happen. Clemson scored 16 points in this game, as you said, and 10 of them were really plays that if you're South Carolina could have easily gone the other way and been either just a no-yard gain, right, or better. For the Xavier Leggett, you know, drop then ended up being a backwards pass and a fumble recovery. 
Um, and then you've got an interception that was dropped that went from South Carolina ball to Clemson's kicker who turned incredible for this particular game being in position to then make a field goal. There's 10 points, right? And then three others came on um, kind of a, a questionable close Cade Klubnick being out of the tackle box or in the tackle box, no grounding call and another long field goal. But at the very minimum, 10 points that were really for South Carolina entirely avoidable, right? Other than that, you had some of the ingredients you need. The defense, while they weren't utterly incredible, did a good enough job to win this game. Wes, if your defense doesn't allow an offensive touchdown, that's a good night. We can forget everything else. That's a good night, and it's good enough to win. But this weird game, South Carolina needed a weird game, I think, to win. But it just it was a weird game that went in the other direction, in the wrong direction for them. Yeah, and I man, I, I think if, if your defense, um, especially when your game plan is to kind of play bend but don't break, that appeared to be the plan to me just schematically. It seemed like that's what they were trying to do. Um, they were able to stop the run well enough um, without really having to commit that extra guy consistently into the box. So they were able to drop guys out into coverage and, and really still get some pressure on Klubnik I think they were trying to force him to show he could beat them. And, frankly, uh, I don't know that he could, not with that receiving core. And so, you know, if you keep a team not just out of your end zone, but also out of your red zone, you know, until the final drive of the game when you're when they're actually running out the clock, you know, you, you should win that football game, I think, especially at home. And so, to me, I mean, dude, the – you kind of looked at it not the, the game was not over when South Carolina had the the turnover scoop and score on the second play of the game but the game um certainly uh you, you already knew all right this is exactly what could not happen and so uh you know you you started you started the absolute worst way you possibly could and so my, my thought was when South Carolina act, like kind of answered and they tie it up, this is after, you know, another turnover. You had the interception. Defense gets a stop. South Carolina has their best drive of the game, which at the time, I don't know that anyone would have sat there and thought, hey, they're never going to really have a drive like this again. Like, you're, <laughs> you're still pretty early in the game. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, they've had a couple mistakes. But then now they've settled in and they actually ran the football pretty well on that drive, mixed it up, they're getting the ball around to different people. And, um, you know, I, I think for them, you're, you're kind of like, all right, settle in. They've got a chance to go win this football game. And the crowd was back into it. And then what we really saw was it was actually a carbon copy of the Kentucky game where they just went really – their entire second quarter and entire third quarter without being able to do anything off offensively. And, you know, man, there there's a difference even in not scoring and doing just literally nothing. And, and I think that's unfortunately what we saw is just they were able to do absolutely nothing, like three and out after three and out after three and out. And – you know, you just put your defense in such a bind, I feel like, when you do that. And 
So, uh, you know, to me, you kind of – you were behind the eight ball from the beginning. For one, somebody made the point on here, when that ball, even if you think it was forward, everybody on offense has got to be making a move towards that football. I feel like just to try – you know, once the Clemson guy picks it up and creates that space, nobody's catching him. But the second it hits the ground, everybody's got to be rushing to the football with a sense of urgency. Not a sense of urgency on that play. And, you know, I I think for South Carolina, the combination of those mistakes and the combination of just not being able to block Clemson really at all, um, to me, just decided this football game. There's a lot to unpack here. So let me get, I need to segment my brain and compartmentalize it a little bit, Wes, because um, I have, I have a lot of thoughts and I'm I'm worried I'm going to start getting into what we're going to do probably more of later in the week. And that's kind of looking ahead too. So let, let me give some thoughts on the Gamecock defense first, right? So again, you cannot exit this game and really grumble about the defense. Um, if you are extremely nitpicky, you can say they gave up too many rushing yards. Clemson ended up with what two thirty three, I think. Cade Klubnick had some key runs in there. I mean, I, I think you said earlier on the GC Takeover Hour, he may have been the difference in terms of just using his legs because he had some key runs. Um, he was able to create some space for himself a little bit at times, and I agree with that. Um, some of those were on the last drive, the only time that Clemson actually got into the red area on offense, um, driving the football. But what it was able to do was Clemson got enough for the – it's hard to say, hey, team rushed for over 200 yards and did just enough. But it, it it felt a lot different than that. You know, it didn't feel like some of these games where you give up 150, 175 on the ground and you're looking around going, man, like that was a tough performance. Because South Carolina bowed up, got a turnover, got some key stops, got off the field on third down, forced some field goals, you know, that total looks better. But here's what it did allow. There were times, based on on the strength of Clemson's run game, that they were able to drive down and get a couple field goal opportunities, right? Um, they were able to get four yards a lot of the time, right? It, it just seems like they were kind of, four yarding you to death a good bit. And then the defense would bow up and, and ultimately get some, some key stops. What that did do is it flipped the field at times. And so South Carolina's offense an offense that was going three and out a lot. You kind of got caught in this cycle where Clemson drives the field a little bit. They punt, you're backed up. South Carolina goes three and out. Then you punt. Clemson's got good field position. They move it a little more, then they punt, right? And so you're kind of in this cycle of not having great field position. When you're already having trouble moving the football, that's not a great recipe. Um, Again, the defense, you just you can't put it at their feet in this one. Um, Would you like to have played a better against the run? Sure. Um, But they did their job and did enough. Going to South Carolina's offense – yeah, we knew going into this game, were they going to rush for even 100 yards? Probably not. 
but you needed to be able to get more consistency. Now, Clemson only had six tackles for loss, probably better than we thought going in. A lot of it was Spencer Rattler getting rid of the football. He was able to do that, but Clemson's DBs played physically. They played aggressively. A lot of times you're rushing the throws, even maybe sometimes when you don't need to. And then, of course, they just didn't get any semblance of consistency being able to run for, like Clemson did, here's four yards, here's six yards, here's three yards. They weren't able to do that enough and ultimately got them into too many unfavorable situations, Wes, where Clemson was able to then tee off and, you know, get stops. You, you know, you think about one time South Carolina did have good field position. They were it was right before the half. You had a minute and a half. You had time to go down there and at least get three maybe if you could put together a decent drive. Instead, they get they get into a third down situation and the pressure is too much and you end up taking a sack. So really offensively, they were just not able to play complimentary football. They were not able to get enough going uh, to have success on Saturday. Yeah, unfortunately so. And, you know, I, I think you once again saw what happens when a team is able to take away South Carolina's explosive plays. And so – you know, that, that's really been the case all year long. They have, I would say, very much struggled to move the football without the big plays involved. And for different reasons, Kentucky last week for a large portion of that game, and then Clemson on Saturday for pretty much the entire game took away South Carolina's big explosive plays down the field. And so, you know, when you have an offense, we, we always – we did kind of wonder what happens if there's a game – where South Carolina doesn't get those Leggett downfield throws to hit. And, you know, in this case, in this game, they were really only able to even get a few of those balls off, basically. And so, you know, for, for South Carolina, to me, some of that was, yeah, your receivers got to go make plays for you. Your receivers have to go catch competitive balls for you. Um, but the other part was just, you know, Rattler was consistently under duress pretty much the entire game. Um, you know, when he had time, he was able to deliver a, a few passes, but they those were just few and far between. And, you know, I, I kind of watching it in the stadium, I kind of thought there were going to be times where Rattler just maybe because there was so much pressure that he felt pressure, even though it wasn't there. Going back and l- watching the game, there was pretty consistent pressure on him all night long, you know, on, on the times that he got hit. It wasn't that he was really creating it. It, it was just there. It was real. And, you know, I, I think at times during the game, there were, there were guys open. You know, this was not a Clemson defense that just completely locked down South Carolina's receivers. There were times, especially with Leggett and A.B., where those guys had created some separation and were open, um, one of those being the, the throw on the interception. Other times just being, hey, he's getting hit or flushed from the pocket before he can get the ball out. And so, you know, that's frustrating to watch as a fan. You know, I I certainly get the point, too, that the defense was letting Clemson flip the field on them, which is true. At the same time, in the year 2023, when offenses are just going up and down the field on people, um. You know, and I know Beamer said, "Hey, we need to get the ball off of them a couple more times." Absolutely, you know, you you really you need to just catch the interception when it's in your hand. I I almost got to wonder not to give a scapegoat here, like not not to give a pass here. I mean, 
I I gotta wonder that did that ball go directly into the lights or something because it it was in OD Fortune's hands and it even seemed to stick and he almost kind of just fought the ball a little bit you know and this is a guy we've seen me made a huge play to to almost turn the bowl game around for mm-hmm. South Carolina so you know I it's just one of those things I I think if if that exact play happens ten times. Fortune probably picks that ball off nine times. And we saw the one time that that he doesn't. So were there a couple of missed opportunities? Yes. But man, for the most part, South Carolina tackled well. There are a couple, you know, a couple little good runs from Clemson. They it was mostly just them grinding out two here, three here, four there, and then South Carolina tackling. And then you sort of South Carolina was kind of playing the numbers game. And then when Clemson had to throw. They they really didn't quite have the firepower to get it to get it done. So, you know, I, I thought it was a I thought for what it was, it was a good game plan. I thought the game plan was executed. I mean, if you and I'm not trying to if this thing away, but again, we're in 2023. Give give the defense just one more good touchdown drive from the offense and the entire complexion of that game going in like going into the fourth quarter changes and it, it, the entire thing changes the pressure is ramped up on Clemson and you know I I thought somebody on here said hey you know Garrett Riley not that impressive yeah I kind of I kind of agree at the same time man it felt to me like Clemson just realized they just realized hey I, I don't think South Carolina is going to score. Mm-hmm. And once they got up two scores, I think they really just said, this this may be 2023, but we got to play this game like it's 1993 and just say, protect the football, run it, keep the clock moving, and don't, frankly, don't let our quarterback get us beat. Like that, that to me is what it felt like to me. Yeah. Di- didn't this one feel. Um, and Missouri scored some more offensive points. They seem to be like last year's Missouri game at home where South Carolina just really couldn't get anything going offensively. A lot of missed opportunities, a lot of pressure, right? And then the other team just said, this is our game plan and we're, and we're kind of sticking to it. Now, um, it, it is fun. There are a lot of people that thought that, yeah, well, if, if Beamer would have just hired Garrett Riley, they'd be averaging, you know, 60 points a game, whatever. Th- this kind of shows – this season for Clemson shows that's not entirely true. I know they were down a bunch of receivers, but that's still a really, really talented offense. And they had their scuffles, you know, at some points this year. So, yeah, you credit the Gamecocks defense, man. At the end of the day, again, it, talking about not getting more turnovers – um letting them rush for too many yards, letting them drive the field a little bit and kind of flipping the field. Again, all that is like extreme nitpick because ultimately you didn't allow an offensive touchdown. And if you do that and you're a defense, if we're going to, if we're going to say things in football, like it's a bottom line business, the bottom line is you didn't give up an offensive touchdown. And that's pretty, that's pretty doggone good. So ultimately it was going to be up to the offense to make something for themselves make a big third down, flip the field, get an explosive play, run the football better, 
And they weren't able to do that, Wes. And that's really what it comes down to. You, you weren't able to make, um, you weren't able to execute the basics at times and give Clemson credit for that too. Um, and then you just had a couple of really, really big mistakes in that game. You know, you, you, you go back and you kind of deconstruct it. If that first play, hap- you know, doesn't happen, let's say it's ruled uh, an incomplete pass, or let's say Xavier Leggett catches and gets five yards. Maybe South Carolina punts a couple plays later, but Clemson doesn't get an easy scoop and score going back. Let's say Spencer Rattler throws that next ball over Xavier Leggett's head, or if he hits a Marion Brown who is coming across the field wide open. You know, it could be that the entire complexion of the game is different. So, there's a again, there's a lot. You can get real granular in this game, but really that's that kind of simplifies it, man. Those two early mistakes ended up being, I think, a really, really big difference in this game. And then, you know, doing something like like dropping that pick and then Clemson ultimately getting the field goal opportunity. All right, let me tell you about our friend Trey Harrell, auto accident attorney right here in the great state of South Carolina. He's been voted the best personal injury attorney by the readers of the Post and Courier. So congrats to Trey for that. Congrats to his clients, first and foremost, because that means they're getting outstanding and helpful service from Trey Harrell in their time of need. We obviously hope that you, your loved ones, your friends are never injured in an auto accident here in South Carolina. But if you are, if you know someone who's in the unfortunate position of being injured in an auto accident, make sure that you find you know, an attorney who's going to fight for you, who's going to fight to get what you deserve, who's going to be on your side, an attorney who helps. So remember that Trey Harrell helps. You can follow him on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. That's at Trey Helps. That's his handle. Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. Go give him a follow. Check him out. Check out his content. Keep him in mind if you know someone who's been injured in an auto accident and needs great representation. You can also go to attorneyharrell.com. Attorneyharrell.com is where you can find him. And then on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Trey Helps. Appreciate Trey Harrell helping us bring you GC Live a couple times a week. For sure, man. Um, leaning on uh, Matt Zenitz here a little bit, 24-7 national reporter, former on three reporter, um, says that according to a source, uh, Donovan Westmoreland, South Carolina edge slash linebacker, expected to enter the transfer portal um, I guess technically the first domino to fall there, um, even though the portal not open yet. It, it's fascinating to me, Chris, portal is not open yet. And, um, you know, in the case of him, not, not a graduate either. And, uh, but still you're seeing guys go ahead and their intentions to enter the portal are, are being announced ahead of time. No, still no announcement that I've seen yet from, uh, from Donovan himself, but uh, again, Leaning on Matt's reporting, Matt, you know, frankly, um, even though he's with, I guess, a competitor or whatever, um, one of the best in the biz at sniffing out stuff like that. Probably not a surprise there, Chris. Um, Westmoreland, not a guy who's played much for South Carolina. Played kind of interesting, played a, a little bit last year, did some special teams work, um, didn't do much of anything this year yeah he was a guy that played you know mostly on special teams he had gone back and forth between linebacker and edge former Georgia commit Wes actually out of Griffin Georgia was a guy that was committed to Georgia for a while 
and then switched his commitment to the Gamecocks in the 2022 class. Uh, good athlete. Um, you know, in terms of being an edge guy, he was undersized. And then he was a little bit – he played everywhere in high school, like literally played everything from like safety to nose tackle. Like they would put him in there at the nose for his Griffin team, and he'd play on the edge. He'd play linebacker. So really good athlete. But at South Carolina, you're right, Wes, um, did not break through in terms of a positional impact, more of a special teams player. And look, there, there's going to be more of these. Um, you know, people a lot of times ask us, Hey, who's going to go in the portal and kind of, we don't really like to speculate because sometimes you'll be surprised. Sometimes there's starters that enter the portal that you don't anticipate. Sometimes there's guys that you think may that don't end up doing it. Wes, we even sometimes hear, Hey, watch out. This guy's probably going in the portal and then it doesn't end up happening. Um, That that's happened in the past as well. So if you kind of look though at guys who have been at South Carolina for, you know, a couple seasons, three seasons, and they haven't really broken through with playing time. Those are generally the guys that, you know, are, are candidates sometimes. And so not a huge surprise here given, um, you know, just kind of what we saw in the playing time and the development. Yeah, not uh, not that we had any reason to doubt Matt's reporting anyway, but I actually just got a confirmation on that as well um, while here sitting here. So definitely true. Um, again, not that it's a surprise. Any of the guys that just aren't playing and that there's not a clear path for playing time, uh, some, some, sometimes you get surprises, right? Like, I'm not saying you don't. Um, there's always a few surprises. But you can kind of honestly, and, and we're, we're pretty careful, even in today's age, uh, pretty careful about just speculating on guys needlessly. But uh, it, it seems, Chris, like it's more and more, open to speculation now just because it's just so common for guys that to enter the portal it it used to be it was almost taboo like you were wrong if you even mentioned a guy could transfer like that was just considered completely taboo we still I think steer away from it for the most part but sometimes the writing is just on the wall with guys so if you go through the roster you can kind of start to to have a feel and uh, easier than ever to hit the portal and in some cases, in some cases, man, honestly, frankly, you know, this is not an insult to the program or the kid or anyone. It's best for for all parties, I, I think. If if you're not playing, you know, and there's no path in the future to necessarily play, then it, it's best for you know, kind of for everybody. So, um, you know, but but obviously, wish Donovan well, and uh, he can go somewhere, man, and and be a pass rush guy. Um, I, I think he was stuck between maybe not quite um, – he's not quite a linebacker in terms of lateral quickness and, and all those things and not quite a edge rusher in the SEC in terms of size. But good ball player, man, like no doubt about that. So I think guys like that sometimes go down a level and absolutely just blow up and succeed. So certainly we'll be wishing him luck. And he he's always a guy I think was pretty good about getting back to us in the recruiting process, which, hey, I always pull for those guys, to be honest with you. But um, all right, let, let's get back to the game. Like I said, we do want to close this thing out. There, there As the conversation continues, Chris, I do think there are kind of some items to this game that just lend themselves to the big picture conversation as well. 
So maybe we do kind of start to get into that, but with within the context of this game. And, you know, frankly, dude, a lot of the same issues that South Carolina has had this year just kind of reared their head yep. in, in this one, especially offensively. Now, we've seen them clean up some things defensively. And I, I think in football, when you're trying to, like, analyze it, and if you're a fan, you're trying to make sense of it, your media is trying to make sense of it, I'm always caught between the thought of, am I seeing improvement? Am I seeing regression? Or am I just seeing a different matchup? Like, am I seeing, hey, Clemson's really, really good up front. Hey, South Carolina has faced some offenses earlier in the year defensively they just weren't very good against and uh, because those offenses were really good the offenses the last few weeks not quite as good now chris at the same time if the van or excuse me if the south Carolina defense we saw the last couple of weeks had another shot at florida i mean that was not a great florida offense that just went up and down the field on them (laughs) so I mean, it's a cop-out answer, but I also think it's the truth. Is it not kind of one of those things where the truth lies in the middle? Like, it's kind of both. We did see the defense improve. We saw the tackling improve. They they tweaked the scheme, and that seemed to work. Um, I think they found – I mean, we'll see if he comes back. I think they found a playmaker in Bam Martin Scott. So, you know, at the same time, is the overall defensive or offense like how do you put into context the entirety of the season offensively, defensively, especially right now? Everybody has Saturday as the last thing that they processed yep. about the offense and the defense, right? Yep. It, it would be, and, and this is not the reality of it, but like if an if a defense gave up fifty points a game, and then in the last game gave up ten. You're you're gonna take it's a body of work type of thing. I I think Wes, when we look at this, yes, uh, some of the issues that were consistently or almost all almost always consistently issues for South Carolina this year, they were there on Saturday night. And so, let's try to pick out what were those things. You know, for me. Like when you when you looked out on the field Saturday, let's let's go to the offense because that was the biggest struggle point. And I think you can pick out things in, in each phase probably. But on offense, you know, when Mario Anderson wasn't on the field, you didn't feel very good, you know, about things offensively. Um when Xavier Leggett wasn't on the field, and I know Juice Wells has been out the whole year, basically. But when Xavier Leggett wasn't on the field, you didn't feel like okay, we th- there's just a lot of depth here. There's a lot. There's other. There's plenty of other guys that have just done it consistently all year. You didn't really see that, right? And so, how do you fix something like that? Well, you you develop the guys that you've got. Um, you get a little healthier, right? You had some injuries at that position this year, and then you recruit. And, and yeah, you can talk about the coaches and all those different things as well. 
but there's some, that's an area to fix. Then you look at, well, what was another area that was exposed and exposed again on Saturday night, the offensive line. Well, Wes, remember the preseason conversation on the offensive line, We're like, Hey man, they lost three starters. You know, that this has a chance to be a solid group, but there's some questions here when you lose Eric Douglas and Javon Gwynn and, and Dylan Wanham. There, there's some questions here. Well, not only did they have questions, but in the spring game, boom, starting left tackle, out. Four plays of the North Carolina game, boom, starting right tackle, out. And then it built and built and built. And so offensive line, when you're missing that many guys, it's not one where you can just do the whole win anyway. I just put in the next guy and you should be just as good. Kind of hard to do that. And so, you know, how do you get better in that? Well, number one, let's see if you can be healthy. Yes, you need help from the portal. Yes, you need to develop your young guys. But th- the point is, there are a lot of issues to just solve this offseason that win or lose against Clemson, I think you were going to have to solve anyway. And Saturday night probably just accentuated it and accentuated some of those issues that have been present, some of those warts uh, that have been here the whole year. Yeah, man. And I, I think, um, hey, Carolina Titan, I had the same thought, man. I had the exact same thought. He says that Clemson game was a mirror of the UNC game. Um, m- minus the big plays downfield. You know, UNC game, you had you had some big plays downfield. You had some one-on-one wins. UNC game, that's when we're saying, wow, Leggett has taken a huge jump forward. And, uh, th- you know, this week, just un- unable to get those passes down the field for whatever reason. They they were called, um, you know, Chris. Something we talked about going into this game against maybe a Kentucky, and again, that wasn't a huge offensive performance. You're able to get a free release at times on some of your underneath stuff to try and run some of your quick game stuff against Clemson you don't really even get those free releases. So you, you have to either pick them like it's a pick play within the route, or you have to run those little routes that we've seen South Carolina run a bunch of where, you know, they'll they'll run Josh Simon out into the flat and they'll try to have, a lot of times I feel like it's A-B, but they'll have one of the other receivers basically try and, and block the defender who is trailing Simon in man coverage. You try to time it up where Simon's catching the ball and then your receiver is blocking that guy instantly and it creates some space. Well, um, you know, Clemson, those guys were aggressive, I feel like, man. So one of those plays, they ran that exact play. A.B. takes out the guy covering Simon, but the outside corner in man coverage on whoever was playing – you know, like the X spot or, or whoever, they come off their guy and instantly, you know, hit Leggett. Um, you know, you hear people say, of course, the natural thing is, hey, run run some screens, run some screens. Well, they had what were kind of versions of some screens called. Um, one of them, I remember South Carolina's backed up towards the student section. They run one to Mario Anderson. It ends up being 
like a minus six on the play. Um, you know, you say, hey, run some slants. You have one to A.B. that's kind of there. He gets tugged a little bit by the defender. But ball's on him, it gets dropped. So, you know, there there were some execution issues as well, but I, I felt like for the most part, we got to give Clemson's defense some credit for just um, ma- making those margins very, very tiny. And, um, you know, that that's an improved Clemson secondary. You look at last year, South Carolina won their one-on-ones mm-hmm. in, in that game. And, um, you know, look at, look at the Tennessee game last year. South Carolina won one-on-one after one-on-one in that game. Some of this comes back to players. It, it just – it is what it is. And, you know, and that's in no way even a shot at anyone. It's just you need more difference makers, I think. In this league, in the SEC, and playing Clemson, playing teams like that, you got to go out and win these one-on-one battles. It's it's a great point. And look, you can here's the thing: you can say both of those things at once. When you say you need more players, that does not equate to ah. Oh, well, you're saying coaching doesn't matter and development doesn't matter, right? But you also you can't just say one or that. You can't just say field a team. And, and just coach them up. That will get you beat. You will not win anything of substance, right? Um, you want if you if you're picking like if you're building a college football program, your starting point, your your safest bet because there's no such thing as a safe bet to win, right? But if you can accumulate as much talent as possible, you're going to have a good chance to win. And there is, you say, well, give me an example. Go look at who any team that wins a title, right? Why has Clemson slipped a little bit? Well, yeah, they've lost some of their coaches, like Brent Venables is really good, but Wes Goodwin has seemed pretty good so far. Like, he's done a nice job. He's improved their secondary even, I would say. It's players. They don't have a – their quarterback playing is, isn't as good. They don't have Travis Etienne. They don't have Justin Ross and Sammy Watkins and, you know, on and on and on, right? Why is South Carolina not as good as they were in 2012? Well, we can we can say coaches, yeah, we can talk about that. But is the quality of players from top to bottom? Is there a Jadavion Clowney on the roster, or Marcus Lattimore? No, right. There's there's some differences up and down, and so both of the things matter. That's why we talk about recruiting so much. And at some point, when you call plays, you got to have better guys. And Clemson's got more guys defensively right now. They still have a lot of talent on offense. You know, they're not what they were a few years ago. But if you go up and down the roster, look at the star ratings of their offensive line. They got two run their two running backs are both four star guys. Some of their backup receivers that are backups are four star guys, right? So we I think we have to recognize all of those things. Like you have to recognize the importance of coaching and development. Yeah, you can stack up a roster of talent. If you don't coach or develop them, if you're not disciplined, you won't be very good. But there's a reason why teams are better than they're not, right? I mean, you you got to have more players. And so when you kind of look at some of the issues that South Carolina has consistently had, I think you can point to the players, right? And even the receiver question, you mentioned South Carolina winning one-on-ones against Tennessee and Clemson last year. 
they have very obviously missed Josh Van and Jalen Brooks from this team. You again, you kind of had five starting receivers in some regard last year. You don't have that this year. Xavier Leggett was your bell cow, and he did a great job, but the consistency w- was not quite there, Wes. For sure, man. Um, all right, I'm trying to make sure we've we've covered everything from this game. Um, you know, again, you said it earlier, but Klubnik, I thought just the little bit he gave them in the running game felt to me like it was a huge difference in this game just because, you know, Shipley and those guys were not really able to um, completely get going. Uh, you know, you look at it, South Carolina's um, – South Carolina actually had the longest run in the game um, from from their running backs, which is insane because it was like literally all of their running, uh, I think. You know, they had a 19-yarder, did Mario Anderson, and the, the longest by a Clemson player was 19 by Cade Klubnick, and you had, I think, maybe a 13 and a 14 by uh, Shipley and Phil Maffa. So kind of, kind of, I don't know, man, just a weird game, at least in the context of 2023. I, I feel like if you played that game, I don't know, in 2000, we might not be saying it was so weird. Like back then, a, you know, a defensive battle was not that unheard of. And if you made a few mistakes offensively, you, you maybe weren't going to score many points back then. But in today's football, you just expect for there to be more opportunities for scoring. Um, we, I think it's a, a story of the game. Now, it doesn't mean South Carolina would have won by any means, but I think we do have to discuss it, even though we're talking in hindsight. Um, what, what did you think of the fourth and seven decision to punt it uh, both in the moment and with hindsight as a guide? You know, so in the moment, I certainly didn't have uh, – I didn't honestly think, hey, this is completely obvious of what to do or not. I did think you probably go for it there, given where you were, the time, all that. I did understand, even in the moment, what you were trying to do there. You know, you you, you had had – a lot of struggles offensively. Chances are Clemson would have probably have heated you up like they did on a lot of third and longers, longer plays, and it would have been tough sledding. You also remember your defense had played extremely well most of the game. And so there I think you're banking on, I don't feel great about getting this. Let's punt one more time. Let's back them up. Let's see if we can get a three and out, run not too much time off the clock and then get, get get good field position and try again. I don't think, Wes, given the way that the game had flowed, I honestly don't know if you can really just hammer Shane Beamer either way for what he did, you know. Um, so Now, I've seen a lot of strong takes of you absolutely have to go for it. It's insane not to. I, again, I kind of get the decision one way or the other, like given how the game had gone. Yeah, I, I, I got it. Like, I, I think you, you finally flipped field position. Yep. And, and that's why I thought go for it. Yeah. Um, but I, and I think, but I think that's part of the reason they punted it was because they didn't want to give away the field position that that's they had right, finally yeah. established. Um, yeah. How, however, you know, it was a little bit of a bend, but don't break 
success on defense. So the chances of Clemson once again kind of um, having a little success, ultimately not scoring, but moving the ball and punting it back to you, the chances of that happening, especially as your defense is wearing down, those chances of that exact scenario were fairly high as well. So, you know, and I know Beamer said the analytics say you don't punt under 10 minutes to score a game. Well, you're you're right at the 10-minute mark. So, you know, I, I certainly – it kind of, Chris, reminded me of the Missouri game in that uh, – remember Beamer said, hey, you know, we had a couple of shots at the end zone. Y'all remember this was down inside the 10. And he said, hey, I had a couple shots in the end zone. We didn't execute them. We figured we'll just take our points here because we couldn't get nothing out of it. And different scenario, but I kind of took the comments of, hey, fourth and seven, we hadn't really been – we hadn't really proved there's a good chance of converting that. So you're just trying to kind of extend it out, I guess. However. My argument against that argument, Chris, would just be uh, you're running out of time to execute anyway. That's right. So if Clemson does flip it back on you, is there a better chance that Leggett makes some miracle catch on fourth and seven and the crowd starts really get going, you know, really get back into it? Or that you go 90 yards or 85 yards to score later on in the game with even less time. Yeah. You know, and and they ended up, Chris, I think it ended up getting down to about six minutes, and they had to go ahead and burn their first time out. So now you're already thinking, all right, even if we score, you're not getting the – you always, if you're kicking it back to an opponent, if they have the two-score thing, two-score game, I'm always thinking about it. If I'm punting it back to them and I have all three timeouts, they're not burning up hardly anything. Like they're getting 15, 20 seconds off the clock. But if I only have two, then you're starting to already think about, all right, onside kicks and, you know, onside kicks just don't work anymore, I feel like, in today's football. Rare, rare, rare. So, now I I think if Beamer knew it would play out like that, you had a crystal ball he would have just gone for it. I think that much is clear. And he kind of said as much in, in hindsight. But, um, yeah, there there was a play, Wes, sorry to cut you off, but there there was a play, uh, you know, the um, Kentucky, was it Kentucky playing South Carolina? I think it was against South Carolina. Or it was either Louisville game. And, you know, Mark Stoops admitted, I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel good about it one way or another. But in hindsight, I feel good about what we did because, like, they ended up punting and they got the ball down to the one-yard line. Right? So when you have the hindsight of knowing, um, again, yeah. my my pick, you're not going to find me being completely extreme. Some people may be annoyed by that. I'm not going to be super hot-takey and extreme. I'm I die complete idiot for not going for it. Like, you're not going to see me do that a lot because I try to be analytical and, and understand in those situations. I would have gone for it. I kind of, I get the logic, right? Mm-hmm. I get the logic. Um, but I think live and in hindsight, especially with hindsight, right? That's kind of easy. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can go for it, yeah. 
And it just it felt like there might finally be a little smidge of momentum. And this offense has been kind of momentum-based. Like, when they get that first first down of a drive, you can kind of almost, I don't know, stadium starts buzzing a little bit. They get a little more tempo going. That was the first, you know, they they got a first down. Then they they got another first down. And it was kind of like, all right, maybe, maybe what happened against Kentucky is about to happen in this game. And, um, you know, that just obviously was not to be. Um, let's see. Story of the game, trying to make sure we covered all bases. You said it earlier. Their kicker turned into Martin Gramatica. Um, the, the SEC Network said Clemson. I don't. I don't know if they were saying Clemson or this kid. I think they were talking about this kicker was one for six to that point outside of forty-five yards. He hit them all. He hit them true, Chris. These were not even like, um, oh, you know, hit them true, knocked them through. I mean, credit to him. Just one of those games. I, I will say this, man. When you look at, and I know you can't really compare game to game and officials to officials. It's always different. The fact that they called Spencer Rattler at A&M in such a ticky-tack manner on intentional grounding, and then they gave Klubnik the benefit of the doubt on intentional grounding um, was just yet another sign that it was not your night. In, in the in the age of video clipping, Wes, you know, you know how like politicians will say something and it gets clipped and then they leave out like if it's a five second clip, they leave out the other five hours of it. Um, South. So let me start with this and hopefully anybody, you know, that, that listens to this will keep it in the proper context. South Carolina lost the football game because they lost. Right. Man, the officials had about as rough a night as the Gamecock offense. I mean, you've got you've got the plays where Clemson is simulating the snap making noise all that twice in a row, and you call it on the offense. You've got the weird play where um, I had to get you to explain that one to me in the in the stadium, Wes, because I, I wasn't sure what was going on. But you had the the penalty where you still have a first down, but you got a penalty, and so and it's first and 15 instead of third and six, but they had, like, mismarked it. You had the, that. You had Nicky Minwari on his incredible interception got completely pulled down. No flag, you know. I mean, it, it was a bizarre, bizarre night for the officials, but that is not why South Carolina lost the game, but it certainly didn't help them. Uh, we can say that, yeah. You know, you know, you know, it was frustrating to me too about, about that one, about the Nick play. It didn't even end up mattering on a play at a different point in the game. They called PI on Kilgore, even though the Clemson receiver caught the ball, yet. You didn't call the PI on the Clemson offensive player when Nick had the interception. I was just waiting on the replay to show that Nick's foot touched one blade of white grass, you <laughs> yeah. know, and then Where the ball moved when he, yeah. Uh... The, and the re, the reason why you go ahead and make the call anyway, it, if if that would have for some reason, and it was a clear catch, but if for some reason. Like you said, the ball moves or something. Then it's just an incomplete pass because they you can't go back and say, "Oh well, you know this was this was incomplete 
but he got interfered with. We're going to tackle on the 15 after the fact. So it's like, you're just asking for it. I, I will say this. I did. I thought the backwards pass, I thought it was the right call. It was very close. It, yeah. yeah. It was close, but I thought it was the right call, especially with what it was called on the field. Um, and, and there were some others. Well, I mean, uh, it, if in the interest of fairness, I mean, a lot of Clemson fans have said that on South Carolina's lone touchdown, there should have been a holding on USC. I went back and looked at that. I would have said, okay, I see, I can see that if they would have called it. Clemson had a, uh, they had a little, I think it was a little, just one of those little passes in the flat to Shipley. And you remember this one, Wes, we were talking about it in the stadium. I mean, an obvious hole, like a little yank, you know, of the back of the jersey. No call, you know. Right, so they were right like, in front of the ref. Right in front of them. And, and you know, so it's just hard to tell. And, it, again, let me in, I will bookend it. South Carolina did not lose the game because of the officials, right? They lost the game because they couldn't get anything going and they made too many mistakes. Um, but, man, just a, a rough night. And I, I feel like just generally – Man, there've been some issues with like consistency in college football, and it would just be, it would be awesome if the games could stand on their own a little bit more without having to talk about those things so much. In my opinion, yeah, and th- dude, the one you're talking about where everybody in the stadium thinks it's third and one, and you retroactively are like, no, actually that was a first down, and now it's first and fifteen. Yeah. It's a bad look. That, that changes the play calling for Clemson, changes the play calling for South Carolina. And now after the fact, you're like, oh, no, actually, guys, that was a first down. And it's like and, – and then Clemson's just lining up. They're about to go after the play. And South Carolina's defense, they're looking to the sideline. South Carolina, they don't, they don't have their call in yet because I think they're like, wait, what is happening? And the rest, were, it, for a moment, we're just going to let it go. And I'm like, all right, you're the same guys that stopped South Carolina's momentum earlier because of uh, what did they say? Uh, something malfunction. You remember yeah, that after a first equipment. down? Yeah, equipment, e- equipment repair. What is there to repair? Like I, I, I mean, nor- normally, I mean, normally, like I don't know what it was. Like normally, if a guy's shoe comes off or something, you go to the sideline, you fix it. And somebody else comes in the game, or you just don't yeah. fit. You just run around with one shoe, or whatever it is. I I, I don't know. A, a very, I think that just added to the bizarreness of the whole night. Just a bizarre game. Yeah, they're saying it was the chains, I, dude. I've seen them run plays without the chains set. Like you have two sets, you have two chains. So I don't know. Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. Clemson you think the chain crew was eating a hot dog this time, Wes? Thought about that. Thought about that. Maybe Clemson won the game. That we're 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 getting we're taking our eye off the ball. Clemson That's did right. win the game. They did. They, Some they, orange and purple person is gonna say, "Oh, the Gamecock Central boys said the refs were the reason South Carolina lost." No. Yep, we're not saying that. Clemson at all. won the game. You play to win the game, and they won the game. Yep. Um, but hey, all, all my Gamecock friends are like, "How how how did that happen?" Because it, I think that's probably, you know what, Clemson comes in two years ago. They're clearly the better team. 
right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like Big Brother uh, beating up on Little Brother when Little Brother hadn't got his strength yet. Like, it just wasn't even close. This game, you look at it, you're like, just an ugly game that if you played better, played like you were capable of, you know, who knows what happens. So, I get it. I get fans being frustrated. I, I really, Chris, on Wednesday's show, I guess it'll be, I want to get into what's next. I want to get into what needs to happen next. Um, what the program goals will be, because we know you you got to you got to accent this roster with some difference makers from the portal. Yep, and you got to accent it with some depth. I, I think, and you've got a core of some players. And so, guys, I think, and I, we'll go into this in more detail, I think today's college football is really not about building your team from the transfer portal. I think some people think that's what it is. I don't think that's what it is. I think you build your core from recruiting still, high school guys. Um, but I think you top off your roster – both in potentially difference makers if you can find them, and certainly in depth situations by doing really, really well in the portal. Yep. And, um, you know, frankly, some of that is heavily NIL tied. Like, let's just let's yeah. just call it what it is. Um, that's what it's tied to. So, you know, I, I am fascinated to see what this year's portal – sort of off-season looks like for South Carolina compared to last year in terms of success. I think that's going to tell us a lot. I think it's going to tell us a ton. But um, I don't know, man. As far as the game itself, what what did you what did you think of the Philly special variation for touchdown? Oh, boy. The long touchdown of the day uh, to, to young Lucas Doty. Um, great, great play by Luke. You know, man, I, I've seen there's been a lot of opinions on it. Um, I could have seen, you know, again, I, I don't really take super extreme sides. South Carolina could have run the ball up the middle, gotten stuffed, and gotten nothing. And we would probably be going, why don't you try something different? <laughs> and so um, some people have kind of taken, well, that's a, a desperation play. What? It's a desperation game. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't a lot going at the time. You probably didn't have a lot of confidence, and so you try to cook up something. And, yeah, you kind of got bailed out. Clemson played it pretty well. Uh, Luke made a great play. But it was tough sledding all night on just about anything for the offense, aside from a few plays here and there. So, um, ultimately, it worked, right? If they would have called a run up the middle and it worked, you know, you're not going to win an award for designing an incredible play. You just – call a play and it works. I didn't, I didn't have, I, I thought that was far from the biggest issue in the game, especially because it did actually work, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked. That's, and, and I, dude, I, I get the call. Honestly, that's probably something they worked on in practice all week long, maybe all year long. You've probably had it in your hip pocket. They, they knew they were going to struggle to block Clemson. I, I think that call tells us. Yeah. Tells us that. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, it worked. It is what it is. One of the few things on offense that, that did sort of work to, 
I don't know if you say perfection, but but part of part of that play, <laughs> part of that play is all right. You have options, like just putting it down and running it is an option for for Doty on that play. So it really wasn't a bust. It was just hey, they covered everything else. Um, and frankly, you know, Clemson was probably telling their guys, hey, look out for something funny here. Look out for something different. And so uh, they played it well, and, and Luke just did a good job, man. Luke is a uh, Luke's Luke plays like a veteran, uh, I think. And to stick his foot in the ground and get upfield, uh, I thought it was a pretty heady play. Um, you know, so credit to him for for going out and, and making the play. And um, let's tell everybody real quick before we get out of here about our friends at Liberty Tax. Overcome your tax ID eight zero three four six two five five seven six. Um, tax time is right around the corner. You're going to want somebody who is on your side. You want somebody who, um, you know, will, will basically help you not only get the best tax return you could possibly get, but help you if you have any other issues, um, be it uh, you've done your taxes wrong in the past, maybe you owe the IRS money, maybe you're just concerned about your tax picture. Um, go on in. They'll help you out. 803-462-5576. Three convenient locations from our friends at Liberty Tax here in the greater Columbia area. Chris, uh, I think that's all I got on this game, man. What you think? I have a couple closing thoughts, Wes. Uh, so, man, we have so many more thoughts. I, I know we, we've kind of we've talked about Clemson, so I know everybody wants to turn the page. What's next? Well, I actually published something last night, and it's literally called What's Next. It's on GamecockCentral.com. Um, check that out. We're going to have transfer portal updates, recruiting updates. If there is any staff movement, that's another question. We'll have all that. Wes put it up right here. Silly season sale. A dollar for a month, 50% off an annual sub. You can check that out. Um, and then, of course, we'll be back. What, Wes? We're going to do this again on Wednesday, and we'll talk about uh, some more of that stuff as it, as it happens. Yeah, so um, the silly season sale only runs through Tuesday, Chris. So this oh is boy. basically a Cyber Monday special right now. If you're not a subscriber, um, go on there. This one, will you don't need a code. It will automatically, if you do it Monday or Tuesday, it will automatically hit. Also, if you're joining us here on uh, YouTube, if you want to go a different route, you can get $1 for two months, actually. Use the code SCAR1, S-C-A-R-1. So you got some options. Also, I want to encourage everybody, download the free On3 app and select South Carolina as your team, and you will get breaking news push notifications sent to your phone from Gamecock Central. So when, for example, um, Donovan Westmoreland enters the portal, you're going to get a pop-up um, notification, and you can set your notifications. Um, to however you want them, you can be breaking news only. You can be all news. Got some options there, but um, right here on my front, right here on my phone, I got a notification from us while we we're on the show telling me that um, Westmoreland plans to enter the transfer portal. So you can do the same free on three app, and um, great way to keep up with everything. All right, y'all appreciate the support as always. Pretty good numbers. I know it's a disappointing game on Saturday but still pretty good numbers here on the show. So we appreciate that. And by the way, one final promotion that doesn't have anything to do with us, but I'm sure y'all may have seen this. South Carolina, I believe this ends today, $5 tickets 
to men's basketball and women's basketball for this week. Um, women have Morgan State. Is that right, Chris? I think it is Morgan That's right. State. And Wes, I got my tickets for the fam through that promotion, so you should do the same. You and everybody. Yep. yep. Morgan State on Wednesday and on Tuesday, South Carolina facing Notre Dame. Uh, you know, a, a big time, at least a big name opponent. I don't think Notre Dame actually has a great record this year, but I've really seen a push from the athletic department from the basketball program to try and get people out, check out this team, a fun team. They deserve, I think they deserve everybody's support, man. So um, hopefully there will be a big crowd for them Tuesday. That's tomorrow as we record this on Monday at CLA facing Notre Dame. A chance to move to 6-0. and ESPN, FBI, Chris, has South Carolina favored in this one. So, um, early favorite in that one. I don't know if – have you seen the uh, the odds, the Vegas odds on this game? I have not. Um, should not be doing this on the fly. Game is Tuesday. May not be posted. Uh, wow, they're not posted on Vegas Insider. Anyway. Yeah, I don't see him. All right. Yeah, y'all go to the game. Team deserves it. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see y'all Wednesday.